Welcome to the Biz for Good Show, where we highlight misfits, outcasts, and renegades for the being good and doing good movement. We spotlight people that are changing the world by having integrity and honesty and creating an environment of connection, thus showing the true secret to success and creating a life of greater impact. So come on board and create your own Biz for Good life. Welcome, 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 <laughs> welcome to the Biz for Good Show. I am your host, Bobby Glenn James, along with the Ryan Pilkington, except Ryan Pilkington is not with us today. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the amazing sitting in for Ryan, Mr. Morgan. Huber. Huber, not Hogue, for whatever reason I want to call him Hogue all the time. Thanks, Can we just change your last name to Hogue? Because yeah. I think Morgan Hogue sounds so cool. I've been looking so for cool. a stage name, pen name anyway, so that's that's great. Morgan Hogue. Do you like Morgan Hogue? I, 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 okay, sorry, man. We, we already went off track, man. We, Corey's like, oh, crap. But Corey, I have a feeling, is okay with it. Uh, I'm fine. <laughs> welcome. Welcome to the Biz for Good Show, ladies and gentlemen. Episode 118. That's right. Right, 118. We've been doing this thing for two and a half years now. We're not slowing down. We're not stopping. We're killing it. Life is fantabulously mantastic, and we're just kicking trash or butt or that kind of stuff. Episode 118 Vulnerability is Sexy. What do you stand for? With Corey Blake. All right. And there's your cup of coffee for the morning, too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so tell us about tell us about Mr. Blake. Oh. Well, what's up, gentlemen? Awesome to be with you. Uh, tell us about Mr. Blake. So uh, oh oh was, wait uh, wait Mr. Blake uh, Morgan was gonna was gonna read your bio. Yeah, Corey Blake began his storytelling career <laughs> as an actor, starring in one of the fifty greatest Super Bowl commercials of all time, Mountain Dew Bohemian Rhapsody. You may have seen it. Uh, Google it. Get the YouTube. We'll video. put the it's link great. on there too. Yeah. Everybody will get to see all of that stuff. And uh, in campaigns for American Express, Miller Beer, Mitsubishi, Wrigley's Gum, Hasbro, and other name brands. Today, Corey's the founder and CEO of Roundtable Companies, RTC, the publisher of Conscious Capitalism Press, and a speaker, artist, and storyteller. He has been featured on the cover of the Wall Street Journal and is work in storytelling has been quoted featured in the New York Times, USA Today, and Inc. Magazine, Forbes, and Wired uh, Magazines. Corey pioneered the business comic book packaging and publishing dozens of titles, including bestsellers by Tony Say, Marshall Goldsmith, and Robert Cialdini, and has spent over a decade guiding CEOs, founders, and thought leaders to set up a storytelling ecosystem around their brand, including writing the book they were born to write. All right. <laughs> Woo, man. Whoa. This, uh, we have the Corey Blake today, people. So yeah, listen up. Obvious. Welcome to the show, Corey. Very impressive, Very impressive I know. That's right. <laughs> awesome. Well, Files are silly. <laughs> Corey's on—he's on fire. He is so ready to go. He's so ready to go. My uh, favorite I thing know, about him was like, the YouTube up. was the video where he was playing basketball naked. Here is yeah. Hey, so we're gonna put is, that link up there. Got, are you okay with good. that, Corey? We're gonna put that link up there <laughs> if you're okay with it. I can't wait for everyone to see everything I've got hanging out. <laughs> That's fantastic. I'm like, wow, is that you? And he's like, 
You bet that's me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get much more vulnerable more than that. You could ever so how do you get the license to film on that on a basketball court like that, or did you guys just did they just show up and shoot it, or did you have to get licensing to? to oh, no, they, film? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they. This was a professional commercial production company. They actually pitched that commercial to Bally's Total Fitness. Bally's was like, this is too risque. But the production company was like, this is too friggin' hilarious not to shoot and use at least for a demo reel. <laughs> so they, they, they went whole hog on it, had a great professional crew. We actually, they, they, they used black, uh, very large black paper to cover the entire basketball court because, you know, children. <laughs> Right. They ended up giving it away to uh, a local gym in Hermosa Beach called Yard Fitness. And the, the tagline is be comfortable in your own skin and I'm skin. Uh, so uh, they, they aired it for two weeks on cable and so that they could be eligible for awards and cleaned up. It hit a bunch of best commercial you know, television shows, building, Addy, big stuff. I think I remember seeing it back in the day because it was like in 2001. Just, yeah, crazy enough. Like the Internet was not a big thing yet publicly, but email was. And this is one of those first commercials. That I remember people emailed it. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, and I remember thinking, you know, I suck at basketball, but I might could do better if everybody's freaking out with me running around naked. Well, oh. I hope I plant that seed right on. Yeah, nobody wants to see that, man. Trust me. You, 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 you at least look trim and trim and 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 ready to go. But I, yeah, nobody wants to see that. Trust me, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Biz for Good Show. Two fun, adventurous entrepreneurs sharing the experiences of the real secret to success in business, doing all things with a be good, do good mindset. There is so much bad noise in the world. Let's fight against the noise by flooding it with the bad good. (laughs) Flooding it with the good, not the bad. See, you don't want to flood it with the bad. You want to flood it with the good. You see? See, I tricked you there. Did you see that? Did you see the trick I I did? Wait a minute. (laughs) Oh, okay. Grand illusion. The switcheroo. Grand illusion. I think, I think we got to modify it. It's two fun adventurous entrepreneurs and Morgan. <laughs> That's right. We do have to modify it now. We do need to change our, our piece. And Morgan. He's and not fun or adventurous. He's just Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, wait a minute. I'm fun and adventurous. What the crap are you talking about? Uh, hey, check out our, our checklist at thebizforgoodshow.com. Uh, if you go to bizforgoodshow.com, you can get the Biz for Good checklist and learn how to live your own Biz for Good life. Um, ooh, we have a lessons in leadership. Can we? I, I love to go off script. You know, we talked to Corey about what we were going to do. Let's do something completely different right now. How's that sound, Corey? <laughs> oh, shocking. I don't know what'll happen. <laughs> So we like to sometimes do a, a quick lesson in leadership. Do you have any words of wisdom about leadership? I have a feeling Corey knows a little bit about leadership and has been around that world. Can, can you give us some kind of a insight into a lesson for leadership? Uh, what? Well, the, the thing that, that pops up for me when you ask the question is uh, that that the capacity of those you lead and what you are coming together to do is determined by your own human capacity. And so for me, leadership is all about uh, development of the self. The more that I work on me uh, and my expansion and understanding of how I show up in the world, 
and what gets in my way and what triggers me to you know make me behave like a jerk, all that stuff. The more that I work on that and tame those parts of myself in really positive ways, uh, the more that, that people are willing to do the same. And when we come together then to solve business challenges, we do it from entirely different places. That is so true. I, people that are not willing to work on themselves will never be great leaders. They first, just won't. Yeah, cleanse the inward vessel first, and then you'll be able to change the world. Exactly. I, like I love it. Ooh, that's good. Good. Bam. Drop the mic. Okay, we're done, people. We're done here. <laughs> is this when I bow? Is this when I take a bow? <laughs> I love this guy, dude, Corey. We got to have you back on, man. You're awesome, dude. I love this guy. Okay, Corey, let's get to know you. We want to we want to dig deep. We want to find out about you. And so, can you tell us tell us some be good, do good stuff about Corey? Yeah. So, so I'll take you back to a time in my life that was a pivotal identity shift that was uh, like what I call my three-year temper tantrum, where I tried to bend the universe to my will and learned that that doesn't work so good. Um, It was, uh, yeah, I was, was, as you mentioned, working as an actor and nobody goes to, well, very few people I would imagine go to LA to be a a commercial actor, right? Like that's something that, that I fell into because it pays bills and can pay very well uh, and, and allow for a lot of freedom to pursue acting. But what I didn't know uh, when I got into that, uh, that, that whole cycle and that routine, so to speak, was that most of the relationships that I was building would never lead anywhere else. Those people, they, there's not a whole lot of crossover between the commercial world, the film world, the TV world. They're all fairly siloed. And so what ends up happening is, you know, I, I, I do my job and I'm good at my job. I'm a funny guy in commercials. And that ultimately I'm using my gift, right, to help people to emotionally open up so that then the company with the product or the service can step in when someone is emotionally open and, you know, create some kind of call to action, some excitement to, to buy. Uh, now I didn't back then really think about what, what be good, do good meant. Right. So here I am using my gifts and talents to not necessarily lead people to do things that I think are good for them or good for the world. So eventually there was a reckoning. Right. Uh, and some pretty severe uh, uh, identity crisis, some depression, uh, some drug abuse, a lot of pot smoking. Like I just I just kind of started spiraling downwards, feeling like uh, what, what was the purpose of this? Like I'm doing well. I am generating a f- really good income. I'm the only person of my friends who went out there who's a full time actor. Everyone around me is like you're, you're living the dream for all of us. And I'm crying in my Hollywood trailer because I feel invisible. Hmm. So eventually, uh, I had to leave that career and and give some young person who would love those opportunities a, a chance because I was crabby and pissed off on my way to auditions or or even to film or even to shoots, right? Where where people are treating me well and I'm getting paid well, uh, I was super unhappy. So hmm. what I have done since there came a point like subconsciously what I created through my company RTCF, I left acting in 2000 and uh, around 2003 and in 2005 i started my company rtc roundtable it was my third storytelling company the first two imploded due to bad decisions that i made but the third one stuck and it essentially what it became 
was uh, ownership, the responsibility of, okay, when we use art to open people emotionally, we have a very sincere responsibility to follow that with things that better them and better the world. And to me, that's, that's what be good, do good actually, I guess you could say means. So what do you, what do you, why do you think you weren't happy there? Why did you why did you you just it just wasn't your it wasn't your path or what do you th- what do you think? Well, some of it is you know, when 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 you're not a a a star of a show, uh, when you're a guest star or a co-star, um, I'll, I'll speak from my own experience as a guest star or co-star on television shows or even in commercials. I'm walking on into someone else's family. I'm a guest for dinner. Okay, they've been working together usually for months, sometimes years, right? They're they're in a well-established family, and I'm coming for for one to three days, maybe five days at most if I've got a decent role. But I'm still just a visitor. So there was this, for me, uh, uh, a lack of belonging that that I didn't expect. I didn't you know I didn't know to prepare for, but I, it had me feeling irrelevant. And and to some degree, the a lot of the commercials that I was doing. You, know, you get rejected for so many. So it's a it's a numbers game, which means you have to have an, a, a good enough reputation that your agents are sending you out a lot because they've got <clears throat> limited limited space, so to speak. So I'm going out on a lot of auditions. You might say probably for every 50 auditions, I'm booking a job, right? So there's a 49 rejections. Now, in order for me to overcome the whole rejection issue, I had to make it not personal, right? I, in fact, I felt like for every job I booked, there were a lot of people who could have done just fine in playing that role. Now, for some of the stuff where I was like, you know, like the basketball commercial, like that's a unique, you know, not a lot yeah. of people could, could commit to the degree that <laughs> that those of you who will see it will will get. <laughs> that's a fair amount of commitment. That's, did a, I take fair, my, that's a lot of commitment uh, there, baby. Did I, did I drop my drawers during the audition? Yes, I did. Did I know the casting director in the room? Yes, I did. <laughs> right, so <laughs> that's commitment, right? But, but, but ultimately, uh, these things that I was doing if they didn't, if they weren't bettering the world, there, there just came a point for me that uh, it felt purposeless. And I didn't even know purpose was a thing with work. I mean, at the beginning, it was about about cool, about fun, about sexy, right? And And I thought I was getting all those things. But ultimately, I felt like in the same way that I was depersonalizing getting rejected, I also depersonalized getting the job. Hmm. So it all yeah. kind of started to become... Blase. I felt like a, a crayon in other people's crayon boxes, mm. and I wanted. I'm, you know, I, I had more agency than that. I wanted it. I wanted to be a leader. I wanted to uh, to do really big things in the world, and ultimately came to the conclusion that that was not the path that was going to take me there. That's oh. you know that's where we we connect with the being good and doing good so much because I think it blossoms out to so many other things like following your passion because. If you're going down this road, oh, I'm just going to find the money. You, you, one, if it gets hard, you're going to quit. Mm-hmm. Two, it's not going to fulfill you. No matter how much money you actually make, you've got to have some passion in there, some connection, some love for what you're doing, and maybe some love for the effect that you're putting on the people out there. Well, here's the thing that I think is is misleading about passion. Because uh, right, passion. Um, I had passion as a performer, but... What I didn't recognize until I shifted my identity, so to speak, and, and really started working to help use my talent to give other people voice, um, as a you know helping people write a book or or you know direct a documentary that that really helps capture the beauty of their purpose. Um, in doing that, 
there was a, a, a recognition that actually I thought I was passionate about performance and applause, right, or making people laugh really boisterously. And it's not that I wasn't passionate about those things, but at its essence, what I was passionate about was creating moments that were profound, right, that were in deep connection between people. But I thought it was all performance, which, which is why when I left acting, I had that three-year temper tantrum because if I wasn't an actor, I was nothing. Right. So, so passion is tricky. I think we have to be careful with that uh, because uh, for myself, I got, I got trapped into uh, believing that passion was only one thing yeah. and it's the essence of that passion. I had to drill much further down into. Absolutely. That's not, that's not necessarily intuitive, right? I, I call it core passion. I, 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 I mm. you know, everybody's on the soapbox, you know, a while back, you know, once Steve Jobs did his little commencement speech and it was all about passion, everybody was on board and everybody's writing books about passion. Then everybody started writing books about, no, passion is bad. It's, it's pathetic. Go live where, you know, be happy about where you're at and then you'll create things great. And so it was all this weird stuff, but the core passion is, I, I believe is what the difference is. Because liking, I, liking football isn't necessarily the thing. It's, it's the action that, that of seeing a game or seeing the connect. You know, it's not in people disassociation. Were you going to say something, Corey? I'm, I'm, I'm curious how you language your core passion because I, I really find I, I love that term. I, I, I heard myself go, mm, when you said it out loud, which tells me like <laughs> there's juice there. So I'm curious. Um, would you be willing to share how do you, how do you language your core passion? So I actually even created a little a little uh, like twenty different core passions, and 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 I actually go through and look and try and figure out what my core passions are. Like mine is teaching, uh, um, engaging others, networking with people. Those are mm -hmm. those are some of my super core passions, and they're not. It, it, like liking karate is not a, a passion necessarily, a core passion anyway. The the fact of I want to be active is a core passion, right? Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I yeah, and and I've labeled them all kinds of different stuff like a thrill seeker passion. You know, that's this this core thing that I want to go out and just go crazy and have fun doing crazy stuff. That that to me, you know, when when it's inside you and it gets you all excited, that. That is what passion is, is that really drives you. Not that I should go here because I think this is fun to do. It's not just about just something that's fun to do. And something that resonates yeah. with your soul when you're helping somebody else or the, what you're doing as a passion is deeply connected. Like when you it's say in your core. That's, it's that's in, you right feel there. it in your core that that's what I'm on this planet to yeah. do or be a part of. And I'll, and I'll tell, I love it, and, I, and I'll tell you uh, through our through our work and what I've been doing. You got a pen in your hand? Are you taking notes? <laughs> <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote down core passion. <laughs> Sweet. I should be taking notes here too. I did, but like what I find absolutely fascinating when I when I dig into work with clients uh, and folks, like it, it is all of this stuff. You can you can trace it back, right? So like you mentioned karate, I love that. Like for some people. Their love of, of karate could be uh, a, a desperate need for discipline, right? For other people, it can be, I, I need to be in contact with the world, like pressing up against stuff, like, right? We all have our, like, what is the angle, the lens through which it comes from? And when we dig into the past, 
those the origin stories behind those needs bubble they're all there they're all available to connect the dots to i didn't connect the dots to my own until i was in my late 30s but my origin story for almost everything that i have done with my life since was was a year long uh from five to six years old that manifested all of this are you it's not intuitive we don't unpack it are you open to share that or yeah sure i'm happy to because that, uh, that sounds that I just totally connected with that energetically. I know that's woo woo, but no, dude, I'm uh, <laughs> as you'll hear from my story. I'm all about that. <laughs> that's really <laughs> very <fun>. good. <laughs> we just got to go there. We're just going to go there if that's you're really open fun. to it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so I, I was raised. Um, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a Jewish kid, um, which is why it's obvious that I'm not really good at basketball because, you know, <laughs> 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 if you're a fan of the movie Airplane, right, when the woman says she'd like some light reading and the stewardess says, how about this pamphlet on famous Jewish sports legends? Like, that's <laughs> oh, Right. So, but, but being raised in a Jewish house by a Jewish mom, I'm the only son in the house, right? So that means I am everything in, in our home, at least in the, in the eyes of my mother. And she poured a tremendous amount of her light, like everything she had, she poured into me. And I believed the world revolved around me because of that. Now, I could do no wrong also, right? Well, that's the first five years of my life. During my fifth year, literally kicking off on my fifth birthday, um, my mom brings home cherry-covered cheesecake. And being a kid who'd never done anything wrong before and not liking cherries, I voiced it. I was like, I don't like cherries. And for the first time ever, my mom had the most averse reaction, screaming at me sent me to my room and actually chased me up the stairs. And when I was in my room, I heard her yelling at me about how ungrateful I was as she slammed the door over and over again. Right? Completely foreign experience to me. It, this is the, the kickoff to a year of severe depression that she went through. And I think what we would now label bipolar disorder. At the end of that year, she finds the right cocktail medication. Light comes back on brighter than ever. But for that year, her light went out. Now, I didn't know who I was or what the world was in the darkness, right? And anybody else's light didn't compare at all. So it just felt like extreme darkness to me. And the person who had been safest in my life, my mom became the most dangerous person. She could go off at a drop of a pin. So I had to learn just as a survival mechanism, I had to learn to read the energy in a room, in our house. I had to pay attention to footsteps across the house and know exactly what mom's mood was, right? I, that's also the, the, the genesis of my learning uh, to be a performer because uh, a laughing mom is a safer mom, right? So learning to read the energy of a room, learning to perform, and learning that there's often a gap between language, everything's fine, sweetheart, and truth. Things are far from fine. All that manifested during that year. And you, know, you don't know what's happening when you're five years old, of course, but the rest of my young life was really about taking those gifts and learning how to amplify them because it made me feel safer in the world. So they became these superpowers, these gifts. And then eventually later in life, I come to learn that, that, that each of those has a shadow side too, that I have to be hyper aware of or will be my downfall. Absolutely. You know, I identify with that so much. There's a lot of, uh, mental stuff in my family and and uh, i i just as you're talking i just (laughs) 
we're kindred spirits. Let's just say that. I I grew up exactly the same, under trying to figure out how to keep peace and to to understand which which mode the my families were in. You know, whether they up or down or sideways or, or and how do you. And it's interesting because it molds us into, and you know what? I'm thankful for all that stuff because it made me Mm -hmm. who I am. And I'm, I'm grateful that, that I had the parents I had, you know, it was a colorful world. It was a colorful life, but, um, I, I wouldn't have it any other way, truthfully. Yeah. Thank you for that. Oh, thank you. And, and I just want to, like, I'm high, I'm very aware that, that, that your energy shifted pretty dramatically, right? Like this is real, real stuff. It just is. <laughs> we quit laughing. <laughs> it just did. Well, it, I mean, it's not. It's not the parts that aren't fun anymore. But but it, there is a weight to this real stuff. Absolutely. But the beauty of, I mean, my, from my perspective, the beauty is um, that there are so many gifts that get born out of pain. And it, it's you know they start as survival techniques, but they expand into superpowers and. And I think my, my impression is based on the work that, that I've been doing over the last decade and a half, like this is the stuff that drives us as human beings, but we don't always know what's driving us. Like, like I said, I didn't come, I didn't really excavate this stuff until I was in my late thirties to finally understand the subconscious things that I do or the behaviors I exhibit as a default, right? Like I will, I have an ability because my mom did it for me. One of my gifts is I can find very easily what is special in other people or in organizations. Like I can zero in on that and celebrate that to no end, but I have to be super careful with that too, because if I want something, right, (laughs) take it back to being a kid. If I want a girl to like me or I want a teacher to go out of their way to, you know, to, to support me or do me favors, like I can shine that light. Right. And I can do it for the wrong reasons. I can be manipulative with it, yep. which is where you know I have to be super careful and aware of what I'm doing and, and what are my biases or my motives. But the fact that that I understand that like I built a whole company around helping people and organizations to see what is special and then reflect that out into the world while also admitting what is that downside that we have to pay attention to. So we're trustworthy with this gift that we have. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's more wholeness, more fullness mm-hmm. as opposed to we're just awesome because we you know, have x-ray vision or you know, can fly at super speed. Well, no, we actually have this really human component we have to be very careful with. And that makes us, in my opinion, more trustworthy Right when we, when we recognize everything that comes with those gifts. Yeah, instead of feigned vulnerability, it's real vulnerability where you show your weakness, you show your, 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 your most vulnerable parts, and then people can connect with, with your message. I am fascinated to, um, I, I do a lot of vulnerability work from the stage. And so I you're the male per- Benet Brown, is that? <laughs> I'm not a scientist, so I, <laughs> I approach it differently, but, but I certainly am a, a male champion for vulnerability. Um, so I'll take that as a compliment. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go there, uh, man. Is, Sorry. No, what did I do that? <laughs> Uh, I am absolutely fascinated because I, I watch audiences uh, like there's just this intuitive belief that if we share the things that are really hard to say out loud, that that will be rejected or that people will judge us. And it's not to say that that doesn't happen, but I find like when I do it from the stage, it's about 90 percent of the room that leans in and finds me far more trustworthy, even after I tell them that I stole from my first employer and feel good about it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Like yep. just in saying that out loud, like that shouldn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. but that's, and there are 10%, 10% of that audience will be like, 
I knew I didn't like this guy. Yep. This is why. And and you know they're not That's, your audience. And I tell and people all the time, you, you can't you can't make everybody happy anyway. The more vulnerable you all vulnerable you are the more connecting you will connect with the people that you should connect with and that's what matters I ab- yeah i absolutely believe that and I, but our brains say that that's a 50-50 split half the people will love yeah. me and half the people will hate me and in my experience it's 90-10 which is fascinating right like that doesn't seem like it should make sense but it really is when when like most of the people in the world can connect to that humanity and 10% will find it as the reason to disconnect, but it's not 50-50 that our, I think our brains make it out to be. Yeah, yeah and that, that's when you're not vulnerable, that is, uh, again, not a being good and doing good. It's a selfish piece to try and hide who you are from people. And, and, and in this and, uh, day and yeah. age, we get it. We, we see right through that. You can't, if you want to get above the noise in this day and age, the only thing you got is to be vulnerable and open and being honest. And real. And, and admittedly, it, it's not easy, right? Like, uh, <laughs> it, it's not accessible to, to a lot of folks. There are, I think, in, in my opinion, there are really important steps that, that need to be taken to, like, it's not just go be vulnerable, right? Like, there are plenty of people in situations where that's a dangerous move. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's not to say that it's not the right move. It can be the dangerous right move. <laughs> like right. maybe you don't belong at that company anymore. Maybe it's really bad that you're staying there and, and you need you know some kind of rock bottom impetus to get you out of there. And maybe being vulnerable will be that. <laughs> but uh, but there are ways to set up a successful experience. Um, just like just for example, I'll just be practical here for a second and say asking another party. Like if I'm going to have a like if I, if I feel like I need to share something vulnerable at work. Asking the uh, the person that I'm about to tell it to, letting them know, hey, I'm about to share something that is a little bit nerve-wracking for me to tell. It's uncomfortable. Do you actually have the ability to be present with me for the next 10 minutes? Is that something you have or, or do you have some things going on? Because maybe that person is like, you know what? Uh, my mom's in the hospital and I am I have to be tied to my phone. Mm-hmm. In which case you'd be like, awesome. Maybe, you know what? Let's schedule a time where we can do this. Yeah. Because if we don't negotiate that and I start getting vulnerable and I see you looking at your phone, the last thing I'm thinking is you probably have a mom in the hospital. What I'm thinking is you could give a rat's butt about me. Like yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm right. irrelevant to you, right? Like, so how do we set up experiences to be vulnerable? It's not intuitive. And I think we have to be sensible and thoughtful so that we can be successful with, with doing it. Do you think there's a new, uh, a new openness to under, to, to, is are more people open to vulnerability now? Do you think this is kind of a new age of of connecting with? Oh man, when I'm really honest, this is better. You, th- you think this world is changing that way, or or is it still a, a, a an uphill battle? Well, here's here's what I'll I'm kind of finding my way into that. There, there was there are two things that popped up for me simultaneously that are kind of creating attention. On yeah, we one have hand, thrown I our think... our stuff out the out the door. Oh, yeah, that we have talked about. <laughs> I think I think um, intellectually, people have bought into vulnerability in far greater degrees than ever before. And I think Brene Brown is is to be thanked for that. I think I think she has paved the way for people at least to get it. The actuality of um, manifesting it and being able to like vulnerability is easy when we're in control, right? As soon as we lose control or start to feel the shame you know, experience and, and the world starts spinning, uh, it's a very uncomfortable place 
And and oftentimes we can behave very poorly <laughs> because of course we've we've downgraded in Maslow's hierarchy to survival. We feel like we're actually in physical danger, right? And when we behave in very odd ways as human beings when we do that. So I think intellectually we get it, but the actual practice of it, I do think that the answer is still yes more than ever before, but I think it's a, probably a far smaller number than those who have intellectually bought in. Oh, you know, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those yeah, I get the concept, but I'm not going to tell you jack about me. <laughs> I, I believe right, that like, that's probably cool, but there's crap that you don't need to know. <laughs> look, I, I'm, I, I do gestalt work, which is a, a therapeutic methodology. Um, it's mostly used uh, with uh, psychologists and social workers for how they work. Uh-oh. Dude. Blake, you still there? Or is a complete different way of hearing one another uh, and listening. Uh, Blake, we, we lost you for a minute for some reason. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> 30 seconds. Yeah, we had, it, was about, it was about 15 seconds there, man. And that, okay. you know, it was golden. Do you remember what you said? It was the best thing I've ever said. I, I was, so I was saying I, I, I do Gestalt work um, out of the Gestalt Institute of Cleveland. And Gestalt's a therapeutic methodology that is primarily – for social workers and psychologists, or that's how it's mostly used yep. for people who are doing therapy. Um, but I went into it as a business person and and think it is the most incredible tool within the business world for helping people to hear each other in entirely different ways than we typically do. And I'm sitting in a room with, a, with I think it was 10 different um, CEOs and, uh, and, and high-level executives and presidents that I invited there. Some of them were my clients. Some of them were our vendors. Some of them were our employees, <laughs> right? Like I'm that crazy guy who's willing to do vulnerable work in front of all three of those demographics. <laughs> and, and I start doing like some shadow work, right? Which is a very unique form of, of personal work where you like you get into your really dark stuff. And I watched a room totally freak out. Like had like all of a sudden it was like the ground had moved because their experience of me is like I'm a stand for love, I'm a stand for vulnerability and kindness. And in the work, I was also previously an actor. So the way I approach this work is I try it on like a costume and I see how it feels. It's not necessarily me, but it is a, a version of me, right? An experimentation. But I started kind of trying on this this costume uh, around like some of my parts that I, that I feel are less lovable. And they did, they literally like, it really was so unsettling for people. So it is, it is, it's big stuff uh, mm. to be asking of one another. And yet um, the depth of relationship that's possible when we do that kind of work with each other is nothing like I've ever seen before. So there's still work to do. Like so much dude. <laughs> I, hey, so so with that said, is there any? Can we give our listeners a gold nugget in that in that whole vein? Can we give our listeners some kind of action item, something that they can take, that they can do, a philosophy that they can go live? I mean, any any? Can you give us something yeah, yeah. for the listeners? I, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you two nuggets that that I think have dynamically impacted my life and, and the life of the people that I that I touch. Um, the first is follow the yellow brick road. Um, client of mine uh, by the name of Jeff Sinelli runs uh, Which Which Sandwiches, uh, 400 fast casual restaurants around the country. And Jeff said to me, he taught me this principle, follow the yellow brick road. 
which is when someone cares about you that you respect and they tell you to do something, just try your darndest to shut up and do it. Jeff was the one who came to me and said, you need to be at the Conscious Capitalism CEO Summit. Don't ask any questions. Pay your five grand and go. And I did. And it changed my life. Um, so follow the yellow brick road. Like, Look out for, for the people you respect and care about when they tell you to do something. It's going to be unreasonable. Do it anyway. That's one. The second one is um, write big checks for your own personal development. Ooh, um, good stuff. <laughs> like, the first one that I wrote was for three grand back in like 2009. And at the state of my business, that was totally unreasonable for me to spend that kind of money on an experience. And now I write far bigger checks to ensure that I'm in a, I'm always, I try to always be in a program where as long as I show up and do the work, I'm guaranteed to grow my personal and emotional capacity and become a better human being. I don't do that intuitively on my own. I'm not someone who can read a lot of books and just become an amazingly better person. I have to like be in a community of people who are growing and learning. So whenever I, I write those big checks now, I get excited because I know that I'm going, I'm becoming more valuable to the people that I serve, being more valuable in ways that will generate more revenue for my company. They're not expenses, they're investments. Wow. Yeah. That's good. And that's I, the first part of being good yeah, and doing good. Absolutely. Good. I, I tell people they should they should spend at least ten percent of their revenue on development of themselves. Oh, that's at beautiful. At least ten percent. Right. The, the 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 ways that I can't love myself, those are the ways that I can't love other people. And I it's very subconscious stuff. True. So the more that I learn how to love those parts of myself that are harder to love, the more that I can love that that same piece that shows up everywhere, <laughs> I can love that in other people. If I can't love that part of myself, when it shows up around me, I'm not going to treat it with kindness, right? I'm going to treat it with judgment and disdain. And that's that's not good for the world or for me or for my company. Yeah, it's been around forever, but it's still true. You got to love yourself before you can love other people. Yeah, all right. There's, uh, there's, there's, there's the intellectual understanding of that. And then there's action work, man <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> true that's another one of those yeah yeah i get it but i suck <laughs> but like even the even the awareness and the admitting out loud like i have to be careful because i can use the ability to treat people as they're special to get what i want like that's most people be like don't tell that to people <laughs> You know, there's a there's a fine line between you know manipulation and and uh, so uh, fine the, oh, the uh, I, yeah. persuasion. Yeah, I persuasion? have convinced myself through most of my life that I was doing that with good intentions, and ultimately, good intentions are lovely, but they can lead to really bad behavior. And the beautiful thing about this life is we're we're always learning, and, and, and as long as we're always learning and growing and moving forward in a better way. Then we're then we're better off. Hey, you had something for us. Um, I want I want to you know the title is vulnerability is sexy. What do you stand for? So hmm. I want to know what do you have for us here? Did you get so, something? Well, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a it's a it's a free giveaway. You know, we all have these free giveaways, but it's actually one that I am so in love with. I'm so uh, proud of. Um, it's something I've developed over a few years. It's something that I do at the front of the room when I'm in front of leaders. Uh, it's something I do within organizations. And it is um, a guided exercise that takes people uh, about between 30 and 40 minutes to complete. And by the end of it, I've bypassed their 
intellect and their cleverness <laughs> and their smartness to get into the soul of what they stand for without them realizing wow. what I'm doing until it's done. So it's a little bit of a magic trick, but it reveals what people stand for, what they're here to do in the world uh, in ways that I, I, I just I, I get to watch people kind of get their heads popped off. So we, we make that available at roundtablecompanies.com slash purpose. It's Round a free download. Roundtable companies, you got that? You're writing that down? Yeah. Roundtable Round companies. companies. slash purpose. Slash purpose. Oh, man, I'm excited yeah. now. You, you did a good job of selling that because <laughs> I'm totally in. I'm gonna go do it like Love right it. after we're done. It's like that tightrope. But if you if you do if you do sincerely share the results with me, I would I would love to see what you come up with. Awesome. We would, absolutely absolutely. Uh, you got any you got anything, um, Morgan? Yeah, you know, I just uh, I, you, you look like you have a question. Yeah, I, I did have a question. You mentioned um, conscious capitalism, uh, mm-hmm. and I was reading there on on the conscious capitalism community and a shared shared goals of elevating humanity through business, and that, I thought that resonated exactly with what our message is here too. It just yes. oh yeah. How in the past, uh, capitalism is you know often demonized. Although, you know, you don't get any good in the world unless you're willing to trade your money for whatever value you, a company is giving. So there's this this unconscious, you know, good that's is, that's happening. But I think there's this growing movement of uh, purposefully doing good with your business, and, and I love that. And tell us a little bit more about. Conscious capitalism. Sure, and it, it, right, it's it's different than corporate social responsibility, which is you know what do we do with our profits? Do we do something good in the world that we can ultimately use a PR mechanism to generate more business? Right, like I heard I heard one of your other episodes where you're uh, the kick-ass marketing episode, right? Where you're <laughs> talking about how people do that, right? They totally purpose wash and you know yeah yeah. Blair's a so, rock star. Yeah, she was great. So 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 conscious capitalism is about um, how are we creating a winning stakeholder model so that every Entity that's involved with the business, the employers, the vendors, the investors, the um, uh, the clients, the customers, everyone wins by being involved with the organization and the health of everyone is respected, right? As opposed to old business or previous business models where there's winners and losers and there's squeezing that happens, right? And and, and a lack of caring, if, like if this vendor goes out of business, great, we'll just get another one. like. Very different mindset. Um, uh, so the four pillars are, are uh, stakeholder orientation, making sure everyone wins, conscious leadership, conscious culture, and higher purpose. It's totally in alignment with what you guys are talking Absolutely. about. Absolutely, being stand good and do. doing good. Absolutely. Yeah, and it just it it attracts uh, a lot of people who I think have been living this way and trying you know to do a version of it, and they come to this community, conscious capitalism, and feel like they found a home. And there, there are a number of of communities like this. Um, to me, what is most fascinating about about this uh, intention to do good is that uh, there are so many areas to learn. Like, right? Like, I come to comp- conscious capitalism, and, and there might be a belief that we all understand what it is. And I think we're all coming from such unique angles. Like, I'm yeah. a conscious storyteller. That doesn't mean my agreements can be made conscious by me. No, that needs an attorney who spent their whole life fighting over money, who then decided they didn't want to do that anymore. And that's actually now creating agreements that support relationships, not winners and losers. Like every aspect of a business is, I think, being revitalized right now and rethought Mm -hmm. as a result of of people who are 
getting on the on the do good be good bus that is so that is so perfect because it is originally when we first started this i totally thought be be good in business that's a no-brainer it's a total no-brainer but it is a it's a process and it's a learning there there's a a way to connect with people that's very val and very uh, revenue. I mean, you can make a lot of revenue if you focus instead of on the revenue, on the good that you can do or the or the change that you can make in the world. And it, it's it's very big. I, I originally thought this is stupid because it's just simple, but it's actually mm. there's a lot more to it. <laughs> yeah, serving first, focusing on that that helping somebody. And it changes your your, uh, your how you appear to the person too. You're not salesy. You're not you know manipulating. You're not trying to to set you know take advantage of them or create a, a victim. They are winning. You are winning. It's great. I I, I love that. Beautiful, Corey. Me too. You, it is you're, really changed my life. You're you're a rock star, Corey. Thank you so much for being on the show, man. I we 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 were like okay we were trying to find out about you and all this stuff. And, and I, it was, it's always a nice surprise when you get somebody really awesome. Just saying. Well, thank you. Yeah. I'm not a gay porn star or a, or a clown or a, or a, a basketball player. I'm, yeah. I'm a different Corey Blake. That's right. That's right. We are going to have to put together that conference though. There's enough, uh, you know what? We could do a Corey Blake and a Bobby James conference and we could probably fill it. a conference room with that. it probably would be pretty crazy hey can you tell 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 our listeners where can they find you we'll we'll do all the links in in the in the show notes and everything but uh how do it just so so you can kind of what's the best places to go check out what you're doing and how to get a hold of you absolutely they can check out roundtablecompanies.com i got a tedx talk called vulnerability is sexy that's online that people can watch um I, and I'm proud of that talk. Very proud of that talk. Uh, they can find me on Twitter, Corey Blake 9000, uh, on Instagram, Corey Blake 9000. But really, they can learn a lot more at roundtablecompanies.com about what, what I built and the people that are on the journey with me. Sweet. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Corey. This has been oh, this is a blast, guys. This was so Thank good. You. I knew this was going to be good. It was a Two treat s- for me. I- oh man! Mm. Two seconds after talking to this gentleman, <laughs> I'm like, okay. This is this is this is. We want more folks like Corey on the show. Thank you for I just feel your terrible though. We- We've spoiled Morgan. It's it's all downhill. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Morgan. It's, it doesn't get better than this, Morgan. That's just how it is. <laughs> hey, Corey, thank you so much. You know how we take out the show. Do you know how we take out the show, Corey? Good, do good. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Do you want to lead us? Do you want to lead us three times? Be good. Do, do good. good. Hashtag be, be good. Do good. Hashtag be good. Do good. Yes. That's a wrap. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Biz for Good Show podcast. We want to thank all our fans and guests on the show. Be sure to check us out on all our social media platforms Facebook. Twitter, and Instagram. For your hosts, Bobby Glenn James and Ryan Pilkington, this is Tim Jackson saying get out and do some good. Now go 